All right, guys, and welcome to Don't Trade on America. I'm your host, Don Q. How's everybody doing out there today? It is February 20th, 2022. All right, guys, welcome to the show. Today's show is brought to you by Redcon1.com. That's right. Great supplement company out of Florida. All their products, U.S. made supplements, everything they got is made right here in the great state of Florida, in the great USA. Did a show a couple weeks ago about supplements that are made in China. Redcon 1, made in America. Check them out. Use the link at the bottom of the podcast app in which you are listening to this on. All right, guys. Stories for today. What we're going to cover. Nothing, kind of everything going on today has been, we've been talking and talking about and depending on what other podcasts you listen to, it's the same old, same old shit, different day. So uh, a couple things I was looking up, what I want to go over is... um, Biden's uh, Supreme Court decisions causing some mixed emotions. Uh, America's shadow war. Hmm, interesting, right? And then new rules for workers in Belgium. And uh, curiosity struck me today, actually. I was watching TV and uh, saw a commercial for Ancestry.com. And I started thinking, you know, number one, who actually does this? But more importantly, who owns this we'll get into that here in a little bit but first before we get into our stories i want to touch on something guys um we are on pretty much all the social media apps i know a lot of people aren't that listen to this probably on social media but if you are just a little insight depending on what apps um you use to listen to the show whether it's itunes or google or whatever podbeam spotify um couple couple favors i need from you number one depending on what app you're listening on. All these apps have a, an ability to rate to, sh- to uh, rate the show. So if you guys could please do that for me. Give me a five-star rating. If you want to leave a review, that would be great too. It's not necessary, but it's nothing more than if you can hit that five-star. That helps a lot. It gets us into a, a rhythm, you know, into the... Uh, the rhythm of you know people that might listen to you know other shows uh, Rogan or Bongino or whoever, and it might trigger them. Hey, uh, you, if you like that, you like this. So check uh, if you could help me out with that. Also, if you're if you are on our Facebook page, and if you're not, go to our Facebook page. Don't tread on America on Facebook. But if you are, there is also a section on there for podcasts, so you can also listen to the podcast on the Facebook. But it's only if you. Or on Facebook on your phone. So there is that. But nonetheless. But more importantly guys. Go to our uh, Facebook. Or I'm sorry. Onto our website. Don'ttreadonamerica.com Subscribe to that. And you will see show updates. Any articles I like to post. And you can also link to all of the social media pages from there. Um, and I think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, another thing too guys. Most importantly. The guys that. The, the folks that have been. Um listening to the show, uh, if you guys could please share this with your friends, uh, like-minded or or not, because not everything we talk about is pro-whatever. I mean, obviously, everything we talk about is pro-America, and basically, if you live in this country and you're not pro-America, you need to get the fuck out, right? All right, guys, first story of the day, Biden's Supreme Court decision causing mixed emotions. So I came across this story. This is from the Los Angeles Times. All right, Biden's vow to put a black woman on the Supreme Court stirs mixed emotion among black lawyers and judges. As President Biden prepares to deliver on his promise to make history by nominating the first black woman to the U.S. Supreme Court, black Americans in the legal profession say they feel conflicted emotions, vindicating and pride, exasperation and dread. So um, while they appreciate Biden's determination as he vets candidates, they're worried about his overt use of race as a pre- pre-West... Yeah, Jesus Christ, you know, I read this article and then I can't even say the words. Prerequisite at such a hyper-partisan time. Black Americans already find themselves having a, to defend against accusations that are not as skilled, intelligent, or prepared as their fellow citizens. Uh, this person says, My initial reaction was probably like most black folks. It's about time, says Merrill Vaughn an attorney and recruiter in Los Angeles who specializes in helping big firms hire lawyers of color. He's keeping his promise to black women because black women put him in the White House. 
My second, second reaction is, I can't believe we're still seeing headlines that say first black this and first black that. To me, this is so old, says Vaughn62. What's sad about it is we just can't be seen as people. And before I read on, I can't agree more with this person and what they're saying. Um, it shouldn't matter what color they are. And furthermore, we shouldn't you know, put such emphasis on the fact that it's the first black this and first black that and whatever. Who, Like I said before, when this all first came out, when, when uh, hell, what's his name, Breyer, was uh, announced his retirement or before his, his retirement was announced for him, I guess I should say. Nonetheless, um, it should be the most qualified person. Whether that person is man, female, transgender, white, black, Hispanic, it doesn't matter. It's you need the most qualified person. And in Biden's, you know, with him having the ability to be able to nominate a liberal judge, you know, that's for them what should be the most important part. It shouldn't be about what color the person is or what gender the person is for that matter. Um, but nonetheless, I'll read on. For um, South Carolina lawmaker Todd Rutherford, an attorney who serves as a Democratic minority, minority leader of the state of House, his happiness with Biden's goal comes tinged with frustration. Saying that the nominee will be black, a black woman makes it look like white people don't have a chance, and white people are a little sensitive about that, says Rutherford, a friend of J. Michael Childs, a U.S. District Court judge in South Carolina, who is reportedly on Biden's list of candidates for the nominee. You almost wish that the president had said, I'm going to pick the most qualified person and then nominate it, an African-American woman, says Rutherford, 51. Without intending to do so, he created a framework for affirmative action that upsets a lot of Americans. And he's he's 100% right. Now, like I said, I talked about this on a show a couple weeks ago. And if he had it in his mind that he was going to put, if, if given the chance to nominate a, a Supreme Court justice... If he had it in his mind that he was going to put a black female on the court, so be it. Don't announce it. Don't make it precedent. Don't like, okay, this dude's retiring. I'm going to do this. It's going to be a black female. Done. And he's right. He should have gotten up there. He should have never said anything about you know nominating a black female, period. Even when he was running. He should have been... It shouldn't even have come up. I mean, I'm sure if the question... I'm sure the question arose during a debate, you know, if given the opportunity, would you uh, nominate a black female for a Supreme Court justice? He should have just said, uh, if given the opportunities to uh, to nominate a, a Supreme Court justice, I will choose the, you know, the person that is most qualified at the time. If that person happens to be a black female, then so be it. If it happens to be a Hispanic man, then so be it. You know, <laughs> I mean, he, he should have answer the question better. I mean, he basically, you know, dumbed it down and this is what I'm going to do. Okay. It's kind of like the Hillary hot sauce comment back when she was running against Trump. Um, if he would have just played it cool and said he was going to nominate, you know, the most qualified person like this gentleman said, and then subsequently nominated a black female, then that looks better to me. That looks better. So, he, he continues on, this cries of reverse discrimination. Another term that makes no sense to me. I'm sorry, I'll, I'll keep reading here in a second, but reverse discrimination. What does that mean? Okay, if I'm a white man and I discriminate against a black person, that's discrimination, right? If you're a black man and you discriminate against a white person, it's still discrimination. There's no reverse about it. The word discrimination means to disintegrate against another race. It has nothing to do with white or black. I mean, it, it does, but it has nothing to do with... There's no such thing as reverse. This, this immigration, it's... If, a, if one race hates another, it's discrimination, period. Right? Anyway, that rang out on cable shows and social media in response to Biden's pledge sounded all too familiar to Vaughn and Rutherford. They know some Americans can't get past the notion that if a black person succeeds... It must be because a more qualified white person was passed over. Biden promises, uh, promise puts the contenders who are also included 
Supreme Court, uh, California Supreme Court Justice Leandra Kruger and U.S. Appeals Court Ketanja Brown-Jackson in the uncomfortable position of being doubted despite their stellar careers. And, and really, I can't, I don't agree with what Biden said, and I don't agree with any of, of this as far as him spouting, I'm going to nominate a black female. Now, like this gentleman said, this Vaughn gentleman, if he had just come out and said, I'm going to nominate the most qualified person, and he happened to be a black, and the person happened to be a black female, cool. I mean, he's right. I'm just glad this article is, is out. So nonetheless, the questions over contenders fi- uh, fitness sting on a personal level he, he, uh, level, he says, because he has seen himself now uh, formidable childs can be on the bench. Um, I've been in front of her in the courtroom and she is by, by far the most qualified person that Joe Biden could pick, period, Rutherford said. Notice, I didn't say most qualified African-American. A Yahoo News YouGov poll found that while a majority agreed that the top contenders are qualified, only a third of respondents expressed confidence that Biden would choose the right kind of person to fill the vacancy. It's also hard for Rutherford to feel completely at ease with the president's approach when Americans are ambient at best about the idea that the government and businesses should rectify hundreds of years of, of enslavement and racism by giving special consideration to the inequities and resulted from the oppression. During the Jim Crow era, many Southern communities banned black residents from eating serving on juries, and aspiring black college students had to file lawsuits, protested, and faced violence against admittance into public law schools. Yet, even today, only 23% of Americans agree that nominating a black woman to the Supreme Court is very important. According to the same Yahoo News and Yuga poll, 1,628 adults conducted earlier this month, Vaughn finds it ridiculous that in 22, black Americans are still having to convince some of their fellow citizens of the need for government institutions to reflect the diversity of the nation they were sworn to serve, Supreme Court included. So, as you can see, and like I said, did a show about this a couple weeks ago, where when um, Stephen Breyer announced his retirement, or his retirement was announced for him, so to speak, and Biden come out, like I said, during the during him running for president, he mentioned this. If given the opportunity, he would nominate a black female. Okay. Pandering at its best, whatever. But then when the gentleman retires, he doubles down on it. And no opposite, no, no choice. If you're a white man, white woman, Hispanic man, Hispanic woman, or even a black man, you're, you're done. Like in this article, they spoke of reverse racism and, and uh, white people feeling this and whatever. But once again, even in the article, they made it about black and white. Well, what about Asian Americans? What about Hispanic Americans? What about black men? What about, I mean, it doesn't have anything to do with white uh, nominations to the Supreme Court. It, I mean, uh, Justice Sotomayor is a Hispanic female. Uh, Justice Thomas is a black man. I mean, let's not make it about black and white. Let's make it about right and wrong. He should have said, I'm going to nominate the best person for the job, period. Whether that man's a, whether whether that person is a man or a woman, whether that person is white, black, Hispanic, Asian, whatever the case may be, then so be it. He this, but this is the whole point of Biden. He just reads what's on the teleprompter. He's done does what he's told, and that's that. All right. On to the next story. Is America? in a shadow war like we see everything that's going on with Ukraine with Russia with China with North Korea with everything else right so I was curious I started doing some research because really didn't want to get into the whole Russia Ukraine situation per se because obviously that is a a live situation it's ever-changing um I mean granted the war was supposed to start what four days ago and it never did, so obviously the intel was wrong, so to speak. Now, um, the thing that kills me is watching the news. They constantly talk about, oh, it's it's soon, soon. It's going to happen soon. But everything I'm seeing 
is it's not even Russia. I'm not saying Russia's an innocent party. I'm not saying they're not uh, got troops on the borders. I'm not saying that. But really what's going on is you have insurgents within the country of Ukraine that are uh, Russian separatists. They're, they're Ukrainians, but they want to be, they want Ukraine to be a part of Russia. But so it's almost kind of similar to a situation if you want to sit here and talk about January 6th and insurrections and tea parties back in the, what, 2000, what was that, 2012 or whatever. You know, if you want to talk about those types of situations, that's what these people could be equated to. Obviously, a little more violent, a little more whatever. Um, I think also the key is here is obviously these people are armed. So there was a story, I think, yesterday where you had a couple of uh, Ukrainian soldiers killed, I think two killed, four injured, something like that. But that wasn't, initially it was reported Russia had started. But it, it wasn't. It was these um, separatists. So now whether or not Russia has anything to do with that, if they're, I'm sure they're probably arming these insurgents, they're probably egging them on, so to speak. Um. If they're doing this to cause a war, then, you know, whatever. But, I don't know. I, I think I s saw best. I, th I don't know what show I was watching this morning, but nonetheless, the person says, the best thing about this is we have so much going on in this country that we don't seem to be worried about. Why are we worried about the eastern border of the Ukraine? That is a situation for NATO, for, for number one, Ukraine, Number two, NATO. Number three, Europe. Why is it a, an American problem? Why do we need to get involved? Now, granted, we could get involved in the sense of we're part of NATO. We could send help in that sense from a NATO standpoint. But this is a NATO situation. The whole, the whole deal with this is the fact that Putin... Okay, so when the USSR... The Soviet Union was broke up back in the early 90s. The, the there was border states, so Ukraine, Georgia, I don't know all the all of them, Estonia, whatever. Those were all part of Russia. So the idea, the treaty that they had signed when when um, the Soviet Union dissolved, um, the idea was that these states, these countries. I mean, they were states of, of the Soviet Union at the time, but these now countries would not be part of Russia, would not be part of NATO. They would be their own sovereign nations under the guise of being protected by NATO if, if need be, but they would never join NATO. That way, uh, Russia would never f be feel in fear of NATO. Not, th I, not that NATO would attack, maybe they would, I don't know. And I think that's kind of what Putin's problem is, is supposedly uh, Ukraine wants to become NATO, part of NATO. Now, whether Zelensky has actually said that or not, I don't know. Now, you had uh, Kamala Harris come out, VP, uh, this morning, yesterday, saying that uh, they do want to become part of NATO. Whether that's true or not, you you basically opened the door, Kamala to breaching a treaty that NATO and Europe and America signed with Russia after the USSR disbanded, after the Soviet Union disbanded. So I think that's the problem. Another, another thing is what happened in 2014 when Obama did nothing when Russia annexed Crimea? It was all, well, you know, they used to be part of Russia. Yeah, what are you going to do? Okay, well, same could be said about Ukraine. And who's to say they don't do the same thing to the rest of those countries along that border? Nonetheless. So, the United States is ensnared in a secret war. It's not exactly a war in the conventional sense. And it's perhaps not even a war it can win. Uh, Jim Scudo, a national security correspondent for CNN, believes that the United States is on the defense, besieged by shadow forces that are invisible to its citizens. More specifically, a pale of Cold War 
antagonisms hangs over the diplomatic back rooms of Washington and Moscow and spreads across the battlefields. Uh, I can speak well. <laughs> the battlefields of Ukraine and Syria. Um, meanwhile, across the Pacific, there looms another great arrival. According to Scudo, U.S. intelligence analysts believe that though Russia is more injurious short-term threat, it's China will grow to become a more serious threat in the long term. China has the true capability of overcoming the U.S. in time. It's not guaranteed, but it has a stronger economy and bigger population. And does China want to surpass the U.S.? Absolutely. The event showcased the gravity and diversity of the threats the United States is facing. To an audience included seasonal national security analysts and writers located just a block from the White House, Scudo charted China's and Russia's furtive incursion against U.S. and international and technologies hemorrhage, uh, hegemony. And what the current administration is or isn't doing about it. The shadow war remains unseen by most Americans as its battles rage a world away and as China and Russia's moves against the United States remain spectral. During the event, Scudo pulled from his book to illustrate a few of the most harmful tactics from the Chinese and Russians uh, have used against the United States among other Western nations in recent years. Beginning in 2009, Chinese businessman and spy Stephen Su stole hundreds of gigabytes of top-secret data on three of the, China, of the United States' most advanced military aircrafts, F-35, F-22, and C-17. Thanks to Su, images have surfaced of Chinese aircraft that are clearly modeled on the designs taken from Boeing and Lockheed Martin. In this book, Scudo also recounts the 06 Russian ass assassination of Alexander Levinico using uh, Polonium 210, saying that the foreshadowed in 2018 attempt assassination of Sergei Skripal overlooked by Western intelligence. Another troubling reality in the eyes of Scudo is the fact that both Chinese and Russians have recently launched sinister new weapons into space, waiting to be tested. In the darkness above, cutting-edge Chinese and Russian satellites drift quietly, biding time before attacking the spacecrafts that Westerners rely on for cell phone service, television signals, GPS, and military security. The Chinese Cheyenne satellite has been equipped with a grappling arm to damage rival satellites and snatch them out of orbit. The Russian Cosmos 2499 satellite has been nicknamed Kamikaze by U.S. analysts for its capability of disabling or destroying adjacent enemy satellites. What is the United States doing to address these escalating threats? According to Scudo, not enough. Now, during the Trump administration, during the Trump era, um, the a lot of people believe that the Trump administration had a, a, an adapted a lax attitude toward the ever-mounting threat of Russia and the Baltic region and uh, Eastern Europe. In addition, uh, the dissonance between ex executive leadership and department official had reached a fever pitch. In June of 18, the U.S. ambassador to Estonia, James Melville, resigned over comments by Trump regarding NATO and the EU. And... Uh, so he said the president declared that the European Union was set up to take advantage of the United States, the United States and attack our piggy bank. Uh, I believe that's true. I think a lot of things that we get into NATO, uh, UN, the Paris Climate Accord, all this crap. We, America, this country, and we taxpayers are the ones that put the brunt of this. So like the... A lot of people lost their mind. I'll, I'll keep reading this here in a second. I just want to go off on a tangent here for a second. A lot of people lost their mind when we got out of the Paris Climate Accord. And the problem with that was we were one of the only countries abiding by this climate accord. Two of the biggest countries in this world that, well, three of the countries <laughs> that 
are the biggest polluters, China, India, and Russia, don't abide by this accord. So why does America, or most of Europe, uh, Canada, you know, these countries, why do we have to abide by these rules and pay these extra taxes and these fees to this accord when some of the biggest polluters don't? I mean, so we should have to cover China's indiscretions for pollution? It's not really fair. I mean, there's, what, four times the amount of people in China than there is America. You mean America is the biggest, is the biggest offender of pollution? No. <laughs> um, and the same thing with UN, same thing with NATO. It's, and just per, per point, look at what's going on right now in Ukraine. This is a NATO situation. This is an Eastern Europe situation. This has nothing to do with America. But yet, here we are. Right. And that's what Trump was talking about when there's situations wherever they're at in the world. If it's in a, a NATO region, we, America, are responsible for it. No, NATO is. UN is. That's what y'all are there for. Anyway, two other re reoccurring themes in the Russia-U.S. relationships over the past decade. The first is the, the unabashed Russian aggression, chiefly. In 2014, the annexation of Crimea's and Russia's documented intervention into the... <laughs> well, I don't even... See, this kind of... I should have read ahead on this one, but this is saying the documented intervention in the 2016 U U.S. presidential election. Now, obviously, this article is a little older. This isn't like yesterday. It was a couple, uh, couple years ago. We have since then noticed that that's not true. But as far as the... Because God forbid you could just be like, Obama didn't do shit in 2014 about Crimea. And then you could even, even if, even if, let's let's say for shits and giggles that, that Russia did interfere in our election in 2016. Obama still didn't do anything about it. He was president at the time. Anyway. To elude themselves about Russian hostility towards the West, consider the Obama's administration 09 Russian reset in the wake of the Georgian War. In regards to China, efforts begun by the Obama administration to curtail the theft of intellectual property have faltered. On top of that, the escalating trade war with China threatens the United States' economic relations with the largest importer. Um... This is, this is referring to Trump with the tariffs. The, the fact of the matter is, Obama let China, and Russia for that matter, do whatever in the hell they wanted to do. I talked about this on, the, on a show a couple, we, a couple of shows ago, where we import more Chinese goods than we export st our stuff to China. This is something that's been going on. This isn't Obama. This isn't... Trump. This, I mean, Trump was trying to change things to benefit us, Americans, taxpayers. Whereas all the presidents before him didn't care about that. I mean, when Nixon opened up Chinese trade to this country, look, look what happened. I mean, granted, I wasn't alive 60 years ago, but I know 60 years ago, you didn't find stuff in your stores that said Maine China. Okay? For the most part, I don't want to say everything, but for the most part, the majority of everything here was made in America. Now, you might have had some stuff made in England or Canada or whatever, but the majority of everything made was, or that we bought was here in America. It was made here in America. So, we, we, did this under the guise of getting cheaper goods. But in the meantime, when this happened, we enabled China to grow economically under with, with the American dollar, essentially. Now, I would assume at the time we felt like we were doing the right thing to try and help out another country. But let's not forget that at this time also, China was 
a communist nation. It's not like, or, you know, still is. It's not like it became a communist country after the fact. It started back in 49. So it's not like we didn't know what we were getting into. In the meantime, we would put sanctions against or embargoes against Cuba, a little pissant country, or we would do whatever against, we went, we went all in on Russia and breaking them up, you know, breaking up the Soviet Union, right? But never talked about China. We never dealt with China's and the things they did. We were so focused, like for 40 years, all we worried about was Russia. Never, never once worried about China. In the meantime, China was doing the same damn thing Russia was doing. And we just looked past it. Why? And, and this has nothing to do with Obama. This has nothing to do with Biden. This is the however many presidents back till 4950, you know. So however many presidents that was, you had Republicans, you had Democrats. There's no innocent party in this situation. It's not that the Democrats did this and we're fucked. It it was it was everyone. It was it was Republicans, it was Democrats, it was independents, it was presidents, it was Congress people, it was senators, it was all of them. Every single one of these people are responsible. Now we have situations where you have like the congressman out of Florida did the commercial for the uh, Olympics. Of course, he got denied, but whatever. And it was like, if it's if if you pick up something to buy and it says made in China, put it down. And I can't agree more. I, I'm trying to get better in that myself, in the sense of of doing those things. Um, but the problem is, is how much crap that's in this country is made in China. So even even in this situation, you have to try and really be do your dil- due diligence and and find it made in Indonesia, made in Vietnam, made you know in India, wherever, because there's very little stuff made here in, in America, and that's what Trump was trying to do. Like when he did the tariffs and all this stuff, everyone focused on China, 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 China. Well, it's because fifty percent of the shit that we carry that we buy in this country is made in China, no matter what it is. I talked about this medicine, supplements. Go to redcon redcon one dot com, right? Um, uh, your your aspirins, your ibuprofen, your penicillin. You know, a lot of your you know your over the counter medicines, or even your your prescription medicines, made in China. Some of our food comes from China, and 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 the kicker about that is, it's food that's grown here in America, but we ship it to China. So you'll you'll see situations where it's like grown in whatever country, grown in Nebraska, grown in wherever. They don't tell you that it was shipped to China to be packaged and shipped back, but we trust it. But in the meantime, Russia's the evil empire. Now I'm not saying Russia's not, but I'm saying we have tunnel vision for Russia. We can't. We have to have a broad spectrum of of who our enemies are. We focus on one country, one one situation at a time. And in the meantime, you have other countries mounting against us. Not to mention these same countries are countries that we give funding to. We give more money away to these countries that hate our guts. Go to some of these countries as an American. See how you're treated. And I mean, I'm talking some of these countries that are our allies. But worse off, go to Iraq. <laughs> go to Iran if you dare. Go to Afghanistan. Go to China. Go to Russia. Go to some of these countries. They don't like us for the most part. I've said this before and I'll say it again. We have no business dealing with these other countries. We have an influx of immigration into this country from all around the world. I've said it before, I'll say it again, and I'll keep saying it until I'm not doing this podcast anymore. People that want to be Americans come to America. Okay, if they live in whatever country, they don't want us, U.S., America, whatever, going into their country telling them how to live. This is how you should do it. This is the right way. This is the democratic way. This is the American way. They don't give a shit about that. If they cared about that enough to be Americans, they would come to the country. We have plenty of 
country, you know, folks from different countries in this country, whether they've come here the right way through immigration or they come through the wrong way through the southern border, whatever. My point is, is these shadow wars are, it's, it's, it's been going on for a long time. And ever since the Cold War started in the mid-50s, we've been dealing with these shadow wars. And it's been the same countries. And we take our eyes off the prize and we focus on Iran or Iraq or Afghanistan because maybe there's weapons of mass destruction. Maybe these terrorists came over here and crashed in planes into the building. I'm not saying that didn't happen. Obviously, we saw planes hit buildings, or did we? That's a story for another day. I'm not getting into that now. Um, but according to former director of National Security Agency, uh, Scudo played, uh, I'm sorry, explained that Americans have a penchant for mirroring Russia and China. This means politicians and citizens alike assume the United States shares the same long-term goals as Russia and China. We believe that in reality, Russia and China don't want what we want. And I'll go further to say it's not just China and Russia. <laughs> you can almost lump all the Middle East in that with that. Um, that doesn't mean we have to go to war, but it doesn't but they have different interests and they have different aspirations and they want to play by different rules. Um, you know, with that said, through the present state of U.S. relations with China and Russia is grim. We remain hopeful about the future. But I fear, I fear that the, the future is, is bleak because under Trump, say what you want about Trump. Love him, hate him. I, I would assume the people that are listening to the show didn't have an issue with Trump. But I'll say this about that. Russia annexed Crimea in 2014. Okay, 2016, Trump was elected. For four years, even, even with the uh, tariffs on the trade and this, and of course, during that whole time, we're going to end up going to war with China over this, or try, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do Number one, I'll say this. We never had a supply chain issue. Prices didn't go. I mean, think about it. All we heard about when Trump wanted to raise the tariffs on imported goods from China Right? What did we hear? That's going to cause inflation. It's going to cause supply chain issues. It's going to cause this. It's going to cause that. Never happened. But now, with Dipshit McGee in office, we're seeing supply chain issues. Uh, inflation, the highest has been in what forty years, seven and a half percent. No taxes for people under that make under four hundred thousand. Well, guess what? Inflation's a tax. Go to the grocery store. Tell me you're not spending more on, on whatever you buy. Go buy gas. Go, and, and I don't give a shit. I'm, I'm not even going to talk about gas because ga gas fluctuates. Whatever. Look, look at the shit you're buying in the grocery store. Period. That's, that's all I'm going to say about that. There's your tax. But nonetheless. Um, you went under Obama. You had uh, North Korea firing off rockets. Granted, they were just testing them, whatever, whatever, whatever. But nonetheless, firing off rockets. You had um, Russia taking back land from for themselves under Trump. Him and Putin got along. Now, of course, that was mere. You know, oh, that's because he's a Russian agent. He's a bot. He's a Russian's puppet. He's, or you know, he's Putin puppet, and he's, you know, blah blah blah. And we've come to know that now that's false. Whatever. Uh, North Korea, Trump, shook hands with a little rocket man there, right? I mean, there was things that were done under Trump that no one thought would ever be done by any president, let alone Trump. Trump's not in there. Now you have Russia acting up again. You got China flexing. You got North Korea launching missiles. Why? Because they know Biden's weak. They know he's an idiot. When you have Xi doing teleconferences with Biden, you have Putin meeting with Biden, they can see that he's a moron. Because they probably see a lot more than what we actually see. All right. Next topic. So I came across this story I thought was interesting.
Um, so new, uh, now when I, when I, when I said this at the beginning of the show, new rules, uh, for workers in Belgium, you might be thinking, oh crap, here we go. COVID, right? We're going to talk about COVID. Well, this is some Belgian rules that I can kind of get along with. I'm sure you guys will agree. Belgium approves a four day work week, right? And gives employees the right to ignore their bosses after work. Um, well, I do that anyway. If I'm done work, I'm sorry. I ain't got time for you, buddy. I ignore them half time at work. <laughs> Workers in Belgium will soon be able to choose a four-day work week under a series of labor market reforms announced on Tuesday. The reform package agreed by the country's multi-party coalition government will also give workers the right to turn off work devices and ignore work-related messages after hours without fear of reprisal. See, America wouldn't do that shit anyway, right? Don't try on no, Leave me alone. I'm, I've done my eight hours. Leave me alone. <laughs> we have experienced two difficult years with this agreement. We set a beacon for an economy that is more innovative, sustainable, and digital. The aim is to be able to make people and business stronger, Belgian Prime Minister Alex de Crow told press conference announcing the reform package. Workers in the big in the gig economy will also revi- uh, receive stronger legal protections under new rules, while full-time employees will be able to work flexible schedules on demand. Putting the reforms into law could take months. However, the draft legislation must be multiple must pass multiple readings by federal lawmakers before it being enacted. The significant significant portion of Belgium's new labor reforms impact the work-life balance of employees in both the public and private sectors. The draft reform uh, package agreed by the country's federal government will grant employees the ability to request a four-day work week. Uh, This has been done at the request of the employee with the employer giving solid reasons for any refusal. Belgian Labor Minister Pierre Vez Lamarget told the press conference. Uh, the government spokesperson confirmed the Euro News next that employees could would be able to ask to work four days a week for a month, a period of six months. After that, they could choose to continue the arrangement or return to five day week with no negative consequences. Well, there you go. Now, uh, doesn't specify in this story that if you work four days, okay, it does. You still have to work thirty eight hours, so which is pretty good too shit i could work damn 38 hours in a week so five days well over seven hours a day i mean shit that's not bad four days that's what nine hours a day a little more than nine hours a day hmm interesting i work that now and it's five days a week anyway so good news for you guys in belgium um i hope you guys are uh, enjoying your soon to be four day work days work weeks i'm sorry all right so I was watching TV. It's all commercial for Ancestry.com. And me and Chris have talked about this. Like, I, I would never do that. What's the, what's the other one? 23 Me. I would never do that. I would never volunteer my DNA. Not to say that whoever <laughs> probably already has it. I go to a doctor enough. I've been, I've had enough surgeries. I've, whatever. If they want it, they got it, right? But I, I don't think I could volunteer my DNA to this because what are they doing with it? Okay, oh, yeah, here you go. Ancestry, you 50% this and 20% that and 10% this and blah, blah, blah. Who cares? I don't really give a shit. I know I'm 100% American and that's all that matters. But anyway, so I was thinking, okay, so this, it's kind of cool, I guess. Okay, I'll, um, if you don't know, okay, my last name's Smith, so... Uh, oh, my grandfather this, and my grandmother that, and their parents this, and oh, my uncle, you know, you can break it down, and that's cool, I'm partly from England, and uh, Norway, and China, and wherever, you know, I'm not, I'm just saying, um, so I guess I get the idea, but really, what does it matter, right, so it's more of a niche thing, it's like, oh, that's cool, I can find out where, where I come from, and my, you know, where my family comes from, where my heritage comes from, okay, I get it. But in the meantime, you're giving up your DNA to what seems 
to be just an innocent, uh, you know, it's just giving it up to, uh, to, uh, <laughs> you know, just to see where I'm from or where my family's from or my heritage is from, I guess. But I was curious, who owns Ancestry.com? Is it just, you know, a couple people, they're like, hey, we're going to do this and we'll be able to figure out where you're from. So, Google it. Simple, right? Who owns Ancestry.com? Would you be interested to know that the Blackstone Group purchased them back in August of 2020 for $4.7 billion? Now, you might be asking, okay, cool, Blackstone Group. Well, who in the hell is Blackstone Group, and why would they want to own Ancestry website? Well, the Blackstone Group, if you guys pay a little bit of attention to anything, which I'm sure my listeners do, the Blackstone Group is an American alternative investment management company based in New York City. Um, Blackstone's private equity businesses have been one of the largest investors in leveraged buyouts in the last three decades. And really, recently, Blackstone has become more prevalent in real estate purchases. And not necessarily just commercial real estate. A lot of what they've been purchasing recently has been private, like, homes. So, now, if you listen to Glenn Beck at all, he's he's talked about Blackstone in previous, in some of his shows. And the interesting thing about this is you see nowadays a lot of younger um, people, you know, I, I don't know what they're called, the 20-year-old, some odd crowds, that millenniums, whatever. They don't own a lot of things, property, just things in general. They don't, some of them don't own vehicles, whether they just don't drive, depending on where you live, you might take the bus, you might Uber, you might whatever. Um, or if they have a vehicle, they might lease the vehicle instead of buying the vehicle. Under the guise of, oh, it's a smart decision, you can lease it, and every couple of years you can trade it in and get your new vehicle. But in the meantime, you don't own anything. And I think that's the key to all of that. <clears throat> And it goes, and even more so, more importantly, with home ownership. And right now, with the way the market is, you know, as far as home ownership, and some of you guys probably realize this, whether you've sold a home, bought a home, or just out of curiosity went to Zillow to see what your home's worth. At least in Florida, I don't know how it is in other parts of the country. I know in Florida, I think the market's up, what, 40%, 30%? So you might have a house that was worth you know, two years ago might have been worth $200,000. Now that home's worth 300000 or more in some cases, depending on where you live in Florida. And Blackstone, the reason a lot of these houses are worth so much is because they're being bought up at ridiculous prices. So you might could put your home up on the market and say, let's say my home's worth $360,000. I could I could probably ask four hundred for it. There's a good chance that Blackstone comes in, and it might not be Blackstone. So I'm I'm Jim Johnson from Blackstone. It's going to be one of their branches of you know whatever the real estate arm might be called. I have no idea. That's not what I'm talking about when it comes to this story, obviously. <laughs> but but hey, I'm Don, right? It's what I do. I go off on tangents, right? That's why you guys love the show. But um. The guides is to own as much property, whether it's commercial or private, and then it keeps other people from owning it. So if if you have how like I'll give you a perfect example. Across the street from where I live, house went up for sale. The people that lived in it, I mean the house from the outside looked fine. Um when they posted it, when they put it up for sale, the the uh, realtor that posted it up for sale initially released uh, pictures of the inside. I was like, Jesus Christ. I can't believe, number one, that the realtor would have posted these pictures from the inside and then and then asked what they asked for the house. Now, this was prior to the boom. So this was about a year ago, a year and a half ago, when the house went up for sale. Um, you know, so whatever. But the house was purchased by a group, I don't know who, it was another realty group that purchased it. I can't recall the name, but it wasn't like Blackstone Inc. It was, you know, whatever. But now 
they rent the house, which when it went up for rent, I was kind of pissed because I'm thinking, shit, how much are they asking to rent this house? Well, it was a crazy amount. I mean, for me, it was over $2,000 a month. And I was like, shit, there's no way in hell someone's going to, someone, some family is going to rent this house for $2,000. It was a little more than $2,000 actually, but nonetheless for $2,000 a month. So in my mind, I think we're going to end up getting, because we're, we live close. There's a couple colleges in the town where we live here. Um, I'm like, shit, we're going to end up getting a couple kids that are going to like pull in together. You're going to rent this house for, you know, 500 bucks a piece each, you know, and they're going to split it up and whatever. Cause they had a pool, all this stuff. I mean, fortunately, that didn't happen. It's it's a younger couple with kids, you know, small kids, whatever. Um, but that's what they look for. And there might have been there might have been people that looked to rent the house, and the 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 realtor, whoever was uh, renting the house out, just didn't give it to them because they didn't want kids in there trashing the place and having parties, which I'm fine with. My point is the whole idea behind them doing this is to keep people from owning stuff because part of the great reset, not that I want to turn this into a great reset show because I'm talking about ancestry.com, but nonetheless is to, for you to not own anything, you, me, and the next person not own anything. And what's the best way to start not owning stuff is by not owning a house anyway. So I came across this article and, uh, this was from 2019. Okay. So the Pentagon warns, DNA, home DNA kits could expose personal info. So this this is about 23andMe and Ancestry doc, uh, Ancestry.com. DNA, DNA tests that so many Americans got for Christmas could expose their personal data, data to bad guys, officials say. Defense officials are warning that do-it-yourself genetic tests are a danger to people who use them, and there's a risk of third parties could exploit participants' private data. The Pentagon made a de- the declaration as it warned service members to stay away from the DNA test they got from for a Christmas gift. Such tests are largely unregulated and could expose personal and genetic information and potentially create un, uh, unintended security consequences for in, uh, increased risk to joint forces and missions. The popular tests generally use saliva to determine the user's ethnic heritage some tests have also led people to find family members they didn't know, but the explosion of the at-home DNA kit industry has also led to concerns in the scientific community about the data being exploited or uh, ending up in the wrong hands. So before I read on, I'm going to look back. So this, this article, I said 2019. So this was actually December of 2019. Okay, so let me read on here. Blah, blah, blah. Ancestry and 23andMe are the largest players, and the two companies have tested a total of 25 million people, their spokesperson said. According to researchers, those DNA samples have created a database big enough to identify nearly all 300 million Americans through cousins. Ancestry spokesperson Gina Spatafor defended the product in an email saying, Ancestry doesn't share customer DNA with uh, insurers, employers, or third-party marketers. But U.S. lawmakers are desperate to get their hands on the giant DNA database, claiming it would help solve violent crimes. One New York attorney told The Post she did a DNA test last year and said while she felt the results were worth it, she didn't think of the consequences. I am concerned that someone will hack 23andMe and use my DNA, said the woman, 61, who only gave her first name, or gave her name as Kathy P. And I'm sorry I did it. Okay, so here's why I'm going to get into this. So you have Ancestry.com and 23andMe, two different entities, okay? So who owns 23andMe, right? So up until um, 2021, 23andMe was a privately owned group until it merged with Virgin Groups. And we know Virgin Groups is owned by Richard Branson, Virgin uh, Orbit now is what it's called, his company with the... uh, Rockets and all that shit, right? So I started thinking, okay, Richard Branson, whatever. We have Blackstone over here with Ancestry.com in 2020. So why would Richard Branson 
buy 23andMe? Why would his Virgin Group, why would a, a part of his company buy or in merge, I should say, invest in 23andMe? So I started wondering, okay, does Blackstone have anything to do, does the Blackstone Group have anything to do with Virgin Orbit, Virgin Groups, whatever? And the answer is yes. They actually own the whole company. No, I'm joking. Um, they, they recently increased their stock holdings into uh, Virgin Galactic by 25 and 25.5%, now owns 8 million, over 8.5 million shares of the company's stock worth $214 million. Uh, Another investment group into that is Vanguard, which is actually second most, uh, second leading mutual fund situation behind BlackRock. But my point being is, here you have the BlackRock group involved in two companies, well, one that they actually own, Ancestry, but they're actually involved in another company that owns 23andMe. So the question is, okay, why? Who cares that that BlackRock owns whatever? Okay, well, all this started before COVID. Here we go, COVID talk, right? <laughs> the Pentagon warned against its you know its personnel and, and Americans from being involved in these DNA, at home DNA kits did they know something that we didn't or that the the average person didn't i mean i would never i've said this from day 1 when this shit first came out yeah it's kind of cool to be interesting to know but i can't trust this of course back then i was a little more sinister in the fact like this person had said uh you know, the government could use this to, they want the database so they could start searching for criminals and stuff. Um, cool. Get a search warrant. Do your job. Don't take the easy way out, but nonetheless. Um, I'm interested to know why BlackRock is so interested in people's DNA. Why they don't want you to own anything. Why, why, right? I don't know. But I do know this. Uh, today is Sunday, <laughs> February 20th, 2022. And what I want to do is I'm going to dig more into BlackRock and uh, go over some things. Maybe we can answer those questions on Wednesday as to why. BlackRock wants to, number one, own everything. The gentleman that runs BlackRock, I think, is the 34th richest man in the world, Stephen Schwartzman. Um, I, I, does he have anything to do with this? Is, this? is this bigger than even him as the CEO and president? Um, I don't know. Questions to be asked. It's, it just piques my interest. This is something I started working on this morning. Um, so I will continue this story on Wednesday as to what BlackRock is up to. World domination? Are they part of the WEF? Do they have anything to do with Klaus Schwab and the Great Reset? Hmm. Questions to ponder. And we will discover and discuss those on the next show. So join us here at Don't Tread on America on Wednesday. Like I said, today is Sunday, 2000 and, uh, 2000, February 20th, 2022. Guys, please like, share the show with your friends. Go to our Facebook page. Give us a thumbing and a liking. Go to Twitter. Follow me there at DTOM underscore 1775 or my personal uh, Twitter, PCGC underscore 1775. And follow us on Instagram. And if you want to follow me on TikTok, cool. I can always use another follower. All right, guys. And also, don't don't forget to subscribe to the uh, website, dotreadonmerica.com. And uh, drop a line. Say hello. I won't spam you. I won't send you naked pictures. You know, it's all legit. You don't have to pay for it. Just, you know, you get some notifications on shows coming up, on articles that I post on the blog, and uh, just, you know, whatever. And we can communicate if you guys have any questions any anything you want to cover on the show if you want to be a part of the show whether it's a 
If you got something to bring to the show via Skype, we can do that too. I'm open for all avenues. I want to get, I want to keep growing this thing and doing the things we can do to make this a great show. Should be a good week. Like I said, Wednesday we'll cover more of the BlackRock group. And then Sunday, I'm sorry, not Sunday, but Friday, we're going to have another episode of the Detom Files. And I can't tell you what it's about, but I'm, it's going to be good. It's going to be juicy. So, anyway, join us then, guys. Uh, and like I said, please share this. Give me a five-star rating on whatever app you're listening to this on. And I'll, get, I'll talk to you all later. Have a great day. And uh, be safe out there.